The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Pomerantz. Uh, he is a certified financial planner, a host of the weekly On the Money radio show, which originates in Florida but is paid on NPR stations around the country, and uh, a real expert in the whole area of retirement. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Steve. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. Uh, let's just do a li- I did a little bit on your background, but give us a little bit more of your background and what leads you to the- your great interest in retirement planning. Well, I started over 32 years ago working, uh, selling municipal bonds, and then worked for major uh, investment firms along the way. But in 1996, um, decided that the way that uh, investments were offered uh, to the public just didn't fit what I wanted to do. I wanted to do more financial planning. I was one of the early brokers to get my CFP way back when. And uh, just started to do financial planning because I really felt it was helping um, people solve their very important problems. And I've been developing that over the years and taken an interest in that. Of course, I also spent a lot of my time uh, with the investment issues as well. Very good. So we're going to start at a high level and get into all the details of, of sure. ways to improve people in retirement. Overall, is your sense that Americans are doing pretty well retirement planning or not? Or some are doing very well, a lot are not doing well. Kind of what is your overall assessment of how things are going in the retirement planning field? Yeah, good question, uh, Jordan. I think the media looks at retirement in a very uh, unilateral way. You know, you need so much money and you're supposed to have so much of your income. What I think they overlook is the fact that people are very resourceful and they've made it, it they've made their lives, uh, you know, a particular way financially, and now when they retire, if they have to make changes, they're going to make changes. So you'd be surprised how creative people can get. They can move to other areas. They can um, change their their habits with regards uh, to travel and, and other things. So I'm finding that most people get by. They figure it out during retirement, yet the message to them is that you don't have enough. It's always a message of the glass half empty, and I really don't think it is that. What has been the psychological impact of the financial crisis of 2008 on people's behavior as far as planning for retirement? That's a great question. People don't really understand the markets. Again, you know, I'm in the media, you're doing media things, and the message is, you know, of the devastation that people experienced during the 2008 downturn. And many did because they're trying to manage their money in a world that they don't really understand. And also, successful money management has more to do with psychological issues than it really does with kind of statistical issues. So, yeah, while many were hurt during that period of time, there were also many who just decided to do nothing. And they found that in the years ensuing, uh, their money uh, uh, came back to previous values and, and more. But we are in an age of what seems like greater uncertainty. During that 2008 period, there surely was greater volatility, and volatility lends a psychological aspect of insecurity. So I would answer your question by saying I think, think people are more insecure today than, than they were perhaps 10 years ago, but I don't think the world necessarily is less secure. I mean, the difference between now and past times is if you keep your money in safe instruments, CDs, money market funds, treasury bills, you earn nothing, whereas in the past, if you kept in those things, you'd earn 5% or more, and so uh, inertia hurts you today, whereas in the past, it wouldn't have hurt you quite as badly, and that's why the, the kind of the savers revolt out there. People say, I can't get earning on my safe money, and they're almost being forced into doing things more risky, which they're not comfortable with. 
Well, there's a piece missing from that formula, and that is the, is inflation, the real return. Um, when you're investing in so-called safe assets, whether they be CDs or treasuries, um, the yield is always some kind of a spread over what the inflation rate is. And if you're getting 5%, then inflation was much higher. When you count what you're taking home after taxes, subtract out uh, inflation, you really have almost a zero to maybe a slightly positive rate of return. So it never, those so-called safe investments never were an answer, were never the correct answer uh, to, the, to solving um, the creating wealth uh, question though people felt safer. So it's very much like that parable of the frog in the frying pan, uh, where the frog is in the frying pan and the heat is turned up ever so slightly. So slowly but surely the frog is cooking, but uh, the frog doesn't know it, and all of a sudden, boom, one day it's over. And so this idea that you were really getting a, you were creating wealth, you're doing it safely, in the case of inflation protection, you are actually taking quite a lot of risk. So people focus on volatility as if that was risk. I don't think volatility is risk. I think volatility can be your friend, and that inflation really is the biggest risk. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about uh, uh, kind of how people quantify financial outcomes in retirement. Um, you say there are different ways of doing it. There's the right way and the wrong way. What is the right way to, to quantify financial outcomes in retirement? Well, there is a common um, software available to all now uh, with the unfortunate name of Monte Carlo Analysis. Um, you know, obviously we're not talking about what's going on in, uh, in gambling capitals of the world. But what it does, basically, it gives you a probability of success taking into account all different variables, very much like a GPS system. Um, if you're traveling from your home to another location and using a GPS, it's taking into account all the variables that can affect you um, on your trip, whether it's bad weather or there's accidents, and it's giving you a read moment by moment exactly how long it's going to take you to, to get to your destination. In the case of a hurricane tracking a chart, you know, I'm here in South Florida, so we're pretty sensitive to that. Um, this cone of um, uh, the zone of probability that a particular hurricane is going to hit in, a, in an area. It doesn't say, hey, the hurricane's going to hit uh, in Orlando at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but it gives you an idea of where with a, with a probability of, uh, of, su of success or probability of it actually happening, and it gives you an idea of, you know, what's most likely going to happen. Monte Carlo analysis can do that if it's used correctly. So that is the primary tool today. And many advisors do use Monte Carlo analysis, but I think they're missing one big aspect of it um, that is, and I think the average person also that is using it is, is doing something quite wrong. So this is something that the average individual has access to or pretty much only yeah. through their financial advisor? No, it's uh, you just uh, Google Monte Carlo analysis and you'll find any number of calc free calculators online. And so w what are some of the main inputs that you would put in to, to do this analysis? Well, the thing that you want to start with is your assets. You know, we, we divide assets between investable assets and non-investable assets. So like your home would be a non-investable asset, that type of thing. Obviously, your savings or your, your tax-deferred assets and your IRAs or your 401Ks, those go into a category. But the idea is to kind of create a liquidity uh, net worth statement, and that's the first thing that you do. So you know how much you're actually starting with. Another input would be trying to forecast a probable rate of return going forward. That's a little bit harder, but you can use something pretty conservative. You can say, you know, a 5% average rate of return or a 7% average rate of return, depending if you have a mix of stocks and bonds. So you want to put in a number there as well. And then you really start, and this is where it really starts to count, you really want to put in what you're spending. We break it down to what it costs to turn the lights on, you know, your non-discretionary spending. What does it cost, you know, to own a car, to, to pay your mortgage or whatever, things that you can't change. 
And uh, then we have, we put in uh, discretionary spending. Do you're in retirement, do you like to travel? How much do you think per year you would be spending on travel? Do you like to give gift money to your kids or your grandkids? Whatever it is that leads you to living your one best retirement life, because if you think about it, we only have one shot at this life, and really the goal is to live the best possible life you can. So we build this model saying, hey, what is it? What's the kitchen sink here? What is it that you really want to do? So that would be another input. So your assets are one input. Your future rate of return is another. And then also what you're spending against that. And then finally, what income are you receiving? You're receiving Social Security. Do you have a pension? Do you have real estate property that's perhaps paying you some kind of cash flow? And then you're getting a sense of what money is coming in. So it's inflow, it's outflow, it's how much assets, what those assets are earning. And you put that all into the mix, and uh, you create this GPS, and it tells you, gives you a possibility or the probability of success. Okay, we're going to get into this in more detail uh, after the break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Steve Pomerantz. Uh, he is a certified financial planner. Uh, he is the uh, guest of a radio show called On the Money on NPR stations around the country. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m., 10 Central, every Sunday. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Pomerantz. Uh, he is a certified financial planner. Uh, he is the host of the On the Money radio show. Uh, he also is a money manager as well uh, in the South Florida area. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. Tell people a little bit about your show and how they can find out more about your radio show. Well, we're, um, we're, we're all over the country, uh, specifically targeted into South Florida from Key West to Vero Beach is where, is where we cover. But many people hear us on our website, which is on the money radio. Org. Don't forget the word radio. And also we have uh, apps for Android and Apple. If you go into your Play Store, just uh, type in On the Money with no spaces, and then you can hear us at any time. Very good. And also you are a money manager as well. What is your style of money management? Well, um, it's to buy what uh, – it's, it's, I think it's more of a value style. It's to buy um, stocks and companies that um, – uh, will have the prospect for a high return on investment to understand what it is we own. We don't speculate. Uh, we, you know, we don't buy into the fads of the day. Very conservative. We do a lot of diversifying through index funds and ETFs and the like, um, and try to figure out where the where the real rate of return is. We understand volatility and risk, uh, so we can make the right decisions um, as things change. 
Very good. So you were saying before that the uh, the common person is hearing uh, this kind of, as you call it, ha- glass half empty style from the uh, financial media. You, you never have enough for, for retirement. Um, and you say there are two ways that people can react to that. What are those two ways? Well, the first thing that they would feel, I think, is, look, you know, if, I, if I'm never going to have enough money, I'm not going to make any more money, that's for sure. I spend what I spend. So I'm just going to kind of give it up to the universe, and I'm just, uh, there's nothing I can do, so I'm just going to not do anything, you know. Also, some people start to hold on to their money too tight, which um, actually leads to a very interesting situation that, that I don't think people think about, and that is that they may actually end up overfunded for retirement because they're hoarding their money. They're sacrificing their lives right now in order to be sure that they're going to have enough. But this is very interesting because they're not really doing the measurement. They have no way of quantifying whether they're going to have enough or not. And I, I do believe that, you know, being conservative in a, in a, when you're in an uncertain environment, it is better safe to be safe than sorry. That is the right way to look at things. Uh, but if you can figure out how how it's going to go and what the outcome is going to be, then you can really live a better life. So hoarding and and just not spending because you're operating in fear uh, really isn't the right outcome either because, again, we only have one life to live. Yeah. I would assume more people in the first camp than yeah. the second, more, more people have abandoned hope of action than overfunding because there's a lot of people living in poverty uh, in, in retirement these days. Well, you know, in my area, South Florida, you know, there's a fairly good pocket of money. We do a lot of seminars down here, and really what we, uh, we do a little quiz in the seminar, and most people really operate in fear. Mm-hmm. That is the, the big driver, and um, they know it, but there's, they don't feel like there's anything they can do about it, again, because they don't really have enough information to make a change. Fear with no return today, isn't it? Well, that's it. And they, yeah. they, you know, they surely are afraid of going into the stock market after it's already increased, uh, you know, so much over the years. And typically, people don't do anything, and they don't do anything, and they don't do anything. And then finally, one day, they go, you know what, I can't stand this anymore. And then they invest, and then they're afraid, oh, boy, that's the end. You know, and the thing turns around and goes south. So there's got to be a better way to yes, get your that money invested, that's for sure. So how does the financial service industry treat retirement planning? You know, in, in, you have this environment out there where people are very fearful. How do they kind of treat the whole subject of retirement planning as far as you know? Yeah, well, in my opinion, you know, the, the financial services industry is, is an industry really about making a profit. So number one, they'll sell you what you want. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, with all due respect to in the insurance industry, when things, when people are most worried, they're selling them these guaranteed investments at the very, very worst time. Mm-hmm. People want the guarantee, and at the top of the market, or when things have been really uh, frothy, they're selling them, you know, all this crazy, um, risky stuff. So the, 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 the issue here is not to, their only mission is to sell you something. So they're going to sell you what you want. Well, you don't go to a doctor and tell the doctor, this is what you want, and the doctor goes, oh, that's fine. You know, the doctor says, this is what you need, this is what you should do, and if you need to get a second opinion, go ahead, but this is my recommendation. So the first thing a financial advisor needs to do is to take a stand, have a point of view, be able to communicate that in, in regular language, and uh, make the point uh, so people can actually get the advice they're paying for. I don't really think, for the most part, that the financial services industry is set up to do that. So what happens is these, this financial planning idea, this, this analysis, is more like a product. So, yes, we're going to do a Monte Carlo analysis for you, and they do it, and it's a one-shot thing. And, unfortunately, by the time the ink dries, it's already um, out of date. So you... It, the process itself needs to be something that's done on a regular basis so you can actually chart your trip from destination A to destination B, and you can see where you are as things in your life are changing. So 
I believe they kind of act as if it's kind of an orphan child. You know, they it receives acknowledgement, but it doesn't really get a lot of tension because it doesn't really generate a, a lot of, uh, of compensation for them. What kind of conflicts of interest are there with people selling these products that the average person might not be aware of? Well, you know, the first thing that one needs to know as, as a, um, a consumer is, what am I paying? It's not that paying money is bad. You, we, pay, we pay for all kinds of things. But it's important to know what, the, the, first of all, that you are paying something, number one. And number two, you want to get value for what's paid. So many of these products are sold, and you don't even know that you're paying. I mean, if you buy a typical annuity, the costs are, are very, very high in these annuities. But the commission's all built in. You never really know what the salesperson is actually earning. But it's coming out of your pocket. So in this in that particular case, um, knowing what you're paying is is pretty darn important. There's a conflict of interest because surely enough, if I'm going to make a commission from A and a commission from B, and you don't even really know that you're paying a commission, how do how do you know that you're actually getting the right product that's for you? So you want to take out, you want to have the the sales aspect, the product sale, out of the talk completely. And the way you can do that in the financial services industry is to look for a fee-only advisor. You're paying a fee for the work that they're doing. You know what, they're, what you're paying. It's, it's totally disclosed. And you pay as you go. So if it's not working out, you can stop. But the advisor's um, business uh, model is built as same as your model, and that's to grow the money, not to transact a lot of different buys and sells. So make sure that you're getting on the same side of the table or you have an advisor that's sitting on the same side of the table as you. So to find one of those, would you do the uh, National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, NAPFA, uh, fee-only yeah, planning? That's right. Or just look for someone who's truly fee-only. Um, and NAPFA is, is kind of the, the organization that uh, brings all those people together. So that's one side. And then on the other side, do you want people managing your money based on a mass asset management fee, because if they do well, you do well, that your, your incentives are the same? That's exactly right. That, that's, that's it 100%. You want to just make sure that, it, again, using the doctor analogy, if you went to the doctor and he was able to charge you per um, blood test or any kind of transaction or, or, or thing that you'd be doing, you'd feel pretty uncomfortable because he would put you through every exam that you could um, that you could go through in order to, to line his pocket. You want to just pay a, a basic fee and get all that, and then you want some other organization to make the money on any x-rays or, or CAT scans that you have. You don't really want him benefiting from that because that's a conflict of interest. So why is it that the system has gone on for generations if it's not working for people? I don't know. I think a lot of people just don't understand. They don't understand finances. They are really uneducated when it comes to investing and the cost of things. You know, there's a good commercial out there where there's a, a kind of a father and a child, and he comes out of a, of a nice building, and the kid's just asking him some questions, you know, like, what did you do in there? And what, uh, what did he, you know, what, how long you been with them? And then he says, and, and, you know, so how do you pay him? And the guy looks at the camera and is like, you know, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. You know, so just ask. You need to know how a person is getting compensated. You would do that in every other aspect of your life, but for some reason I think people are afraid to ask when it comes to their own finances. So what is the financial result of having these conflicts of interest? People get much lower returns than they would get on their yeah. own? or What yeah, is the financial do. impact? No, they do, because there's a lot of these uh, products have really high built-in fear, fees. So... Um, if the a, a pure index fund would earn ten percent with a you know a slight fee of maybe a quarter of one percent, so you'd end up with nine and three quarters. Some of these other products may charge you one, two, or three percent, so you'll end up with nine or eight or seven percent as your net rate of return. And if you didn't ask, you would say, well, that would be good enough. But the question is, com- is that a good return compared to something else? And you can tell right away 
by just doing some simple comparisons. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Steve Pomerantz. Uh, he is the Managing Director at Pomerantz Financial uh, Private Wealth Counseling. He also has a radio show called the On the Money Radio Show based in South Florida, but it's on NPR stations around the country. And you can see more about him at his website, which is onthemoneyradio.org. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m., 10 Central, every Sunday. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Pomerantz. He is the host of the On The Money radio show. He is also a money manager with United Capital Financial Advisors uh, based in South Florida. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. So you talk about what you call the five levers uh, that people need to be uh, pulling, I guess you might say, in order to do uh, this Monte Carlo analysis and have a good financial uh, plan to have a comfortable retirement. So let's go through those five levers. The first one is spending. So what do people need to do about planning for their spending both in their working life and during retirement? Yeah, so let me back up one level. So one of the important things actually I've even found in my personal life is to know what I can control and what I can't control. You know, and the wisdom to know the difference, you know, that the AA thing. Yes, right. I mean, that's a very powerful statement. So if you can... you. The first thing is to identify what you can't control. You don't know what the economy is going to do. You don't know what the stock market is going to do. So why spend your time trying to figure out what you can't control? Spend your time thinking about what you can. And we call those levers, the levers that you can pull and things that you can do. And the levers are spending. You can change you can, how much you're spending. You can change how much you're saving. You can change the timing of things, whether you retire later or earlier, you travel later or earlier. You can control the amount of risk or volatility you take in a portfolio. And you can also uh, control the amount, if, you, if any, that you wish to leave behind to your heirs. So these are the five things that we concentrate on. So when we do a Monte Carlo analysis, and we do it, I think, the, you know, the, the way we like to do it, which is very comprehensive, you come up in one of three categories. Either you're underfunded, you're overfunded, or you're adequately funded, what we call our comfort zone for retirement. So that's where these levers 
come in and should be pulled. So let's say, for example, you are underfunded for retirement, kind of like a pension. You may hear that the city of so-and-so's pension is underfunded. It means they don't have enough money to meet their future obligations and, li- and liabilities. So if that is the case, one thing that you can do is you can decrease your spending or you can pull the level, the lever of increasing your savings. See what I'm saying? Or maybe if you're underfunded, you could then work a little bit longer, retire later. That should help the numbers whatsoever. You're, you're talking about what you're doing now, not yes. the future. You're talking about your current spending level, not current what you're going to be spending now. In- and then that's right. And then you're yeah. monitoring that to see whether the needle is moving you up towards the comfort zone. So today, we, a lot of people, you know, say they want to spend less. But they don't. Between fixed income, f- fixed expenses like mortgages and gasoline and health care and taxes going up, they don't really feel they can cut their spending very much uh, and, and put more money into savings. And then they say to me, well, I, I don't earn anything on savings anyway, so it's not even worth doing it. Well, you know, we're really, let's, let's divide this up a little bit more. Let's talk about someone who has not yet retired. Okay. And they do this analysis and they realize, heck, I'm going to be underfunded for retirement. I'm going to look at my spending and see if I can take out any items that are absolutely not necessary. And believe me, I know that's hard to do. I mean, it's like going on a diet. It's, you know, most people fail and it's very difficult to do. But it's important to know that is one lever you can pull. Another level you, lever you can pull is to say, well, may, you know, I need to save more. And we'd be able to say, you know, this is how much more you need to save, so fund your 401k at a higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you thought you were going to retire at age 62 or something like that, you say, well, you know, that's probably not going to work. Let's see what the numbers look like if you retire at age 63 or 65, because the, most, the more you delay retirement in this particular case, the more time you have to build up assets and your savings, and that's important. A lot of people, you, you keep referring to this idea that, you know, savings, uh, people aren't earning any return. People have to get used to not just saving but to truly investing. Investing is where the creation of wealth comes from. It's owning things that become more valuable over time, whether it's a blue-chip company like Johnson & Johnson or Procter & Gamble or any name that you may be familiar with. I'm not recommending you go out and buy these, but the idea is to understand that these companies are driven to create wealth for their shareholders. And holding on to these kinds of investments over time should, if you're careful and you know what you're doing, it should lead to a higher rate of overall return. So that's part of the savings lever is to increase your rate of return by increasing your risk and possibly as as automatic as possible as automatic as possible because if you don't do it automatically in many cases it's just not going to happen yeah if you can do it you know there's this whole idea about paying yourself first instead of paying your electric bill first you pay yourself first you write yourself a check first yeah. Uh, or even to have an automatic deduction from your paycheck is a great way because you're not seeing it. Uh, there's any number of tricks that you can use in order to automate the spending part of or the savings part of your life. And then the timing part. Now, are you finding a lot of people retiring too early and they really should be working longer in order to have more time to build up assets? Yeah, you know, not, not, not a heck of a lot of people, but sure, at least it's a choice now. People sometimes have unrealistic ideas of when they can retire. Some people come to me and say, oh, I'm going to have to work until I die. You know, I mean, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but that's not necessarily true either. But people are working later and later because we're living longer lives anyway. And a lot of people say, you know, well, what am I going to do in retirement? Sit around, you know, I can only play so much golf, I can only you know, um, weed the lawn so much. Uh, they want to be busy and they want to be part of life and they want to be stimulated. So a lot of people are working longer because they have to, but also because they want to. And on the legacy side, are people realistic into how much they can leave to their kids and grandkids or is that not easy for them to calculate? You know, some people say, I want to leave, you know, X. And we work the numbers out to see how that works. And if it works, just, that's just fine. Many people say to us, you know, 
whatever's left over is fine. We've given them plenty of money during our lifetimes. We've helped them with college. We've raised them. We've spent a lot. And uh, we're going to live our life the best that we can. And if, and hope, you know, if there's money left over, that's fine. We hear that more often than, you know, leave a million dollars behind, some, some set number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So those are the, the levers. What, what do people do wrong with these levers? Now we've explained what the levers are. How, how do they not do this correctly? Well, you know, there was just actually there's an article today uh, saying about how hard it is for some people to live on $400,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I had to read that, you know. So, uh, you know, they have the, you know, the, the multi-million dollar house, and they added up the cost of the mortgage and the taxes and all of that. Uh, they're sending their kids to private school. They've got, um, you know, wonderful cars. And, you know, long story short, this spending really just sops up, uh, especially after taxes, all of their income. And what they're forgetting is that life is uncertain. They may have this income for many, many years, but then one, one person may lose their job, whatever. They're, I didn't see anything in there for putting money aside for savings except some amount uh, for a 401K, which if you're making $400,000 a year, you know, 20-something thousand dollars a year in a 401K is not going to be enough to save. So with spending... You've got to be realistic, and you've got to put some money aside for the future. You just have to. But a lot of people don't. You're saying now you're a saying lot of ideally spend every dollar they get. That's right. Um, so okay, so you you follow these these uh, five levers. You're, you're supposed to be putting the inputs these five inputs into the Monte Carlo analysis on a regular basis, and then this produces. Uh, uh, kind of warning signs that you should be doing more, you should retire later, you should cut your, your spending, you should increase your savings. Is that kind of explain the process a little bit yeah. if you're following through on how you would do this? Well, the way we do it is we meet with good clients quarterly. And before every meeting, we ask them to provide to us um, their statements from other investments that they may have, their spending for the quarter, so we can do a complete new, you know, analysis for that quarterly meeting. Now, I want you to think of a timeline going from left to right, almost like a, a map or a, a, like a, a looking at a road. And at the, at the bottom of, of this chart is, is a red, big red uh, space. And then in, uh, above that is a white space, and above that is a blue space. The red space is underfunded, going from left to right, and so is the, uh, the white space, is, is, uh, the comfort zone is white, and then overfunded is blue. Every time we do an analysis, it creates a dot, which represents all the information known at that particular time. When you go through time, you connect those dots, and you can actually see your path go up or down relative to changes in the stock market, your spending, your savings, and all these other things that you're doing. And now you can see in real time whether you're falling into the underfunded um, uh, area or you're going up into overfunded or if you're staying on track. So the key, and this is where I think most people and lots of other advisors stop, they don't, this is where they don't get it right. It's continuing, continuing to monitor this through time, just like you were traveling from home to another location, and as traffic conditions change, you're getting this feedback, and then you can make the correct adjustments by going around, choosing another road, and so on and so forth. So it's, going, it's, it's the process of taking it through time that is so valuable. This really sounds quite unique. Do other financial planners use the same thing, or are you the only one doing that? I don't think I'm the only one doing it. I, I just think that we've basically brought it down to kind of a science, and we've made it a very fundamental part of every relationship that we have. And it's interesting because the decision of what to invest in comes second. Whereas I think when you go to most advisors, the first thing they talk about is how you can invest the money. Well, how do you know how to invest the money unless you know exactly what kind of rate of return is needed and how much risk you need to take? Because remember, yeah. if you're 
terribly overfunded because you've been hoarding or you've been operating out of fear and you have more than enough money, you don't have to take as much risk. You can get a much lower rate of return. That's one of the beautiful things about this is it will help you to determine, you know, the correct amount of risk based upon what you really need. What the standard industry output right now is to give you a risk tolerance questionnaire, which asks, I think, the most inane questions. How do you feel, you know, if the market went down 10% or, you know, you're asking someone who doesn't really know so much about it to answer questions about risk. You know, when things are bad, people want to take, they become more conservative, and when things are great, they become more aggressive. So, that idea of how much risk you can take is all relative to how you're feeling that day. Yes, indeed. Very good. Uh, what is a website where people can find out more about uh, dealing with you as a financial planner? Well, onthemoneyradio.org is for the website, and you can get to me through the website. I would think that would be a good first uh, place to go, onthemoneyradio.org. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Steve Pomerantz. As you can see, he's a very innovative financial planner, um, and he's in the South Florida area. His, web, his um, radio show is called On the Money, and the website for that is onthemoneyradio.org. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly-based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Steve Pomerantz. He's a certified financial planner in the South Florida area. He's also a radio uh, talk show host. His uh, show is called On the Money, and you can find out more about him at onthemoneyradio.org. Welcome back to the show, Steve. Thanks, Jordan. Great to be here. One of the things we talked about was uh, not to be distracted by the things you don't control, Mm -hmm. but this is what a lot of people spend their time watching TV and newspapers and so on about is Russia going to invade Ukraine, and who is ISIS going to behead next, and uh, Ebola viruses and all these things that scare people. How are you supposed to take that news flow and kind of shut it out altogether in doing your investments? It's almost against human nature today. It's not almost against human nature. It's absolutely against human nature. You know, we are herd animals, and um, when you think of 
uh, human survival uh, on the savannah thousands and thousands of years ago, that was a very, very smart thing for us to do. If, there, if we were at, being attacked or at risk, we would all huddle together and make sure that we were protecting each other. Unfortunately, in the investment world, that herd behavior actually works against us. If you think about it, if you think about what the definition of a bubble is, it's everyone deciding together and being reinforced by each other, kind of in a positive feedback loop, as I guess the psychologists would call it, that, you know, heck, if you made this decision and he made this decision, and boy, it must be right because everybody's doing it. Unfortunately, that leads to a situation, again, to use another metaphor, that if you're all on a big ship and everybody's over on one side of the boat, that boat's going to tip over. Happens over and over again. This is the nature of the human condition. And unfortunately, to be a successful investor, you need to do the opposite what everybody else is doing. So you we want to be on the other side of the boat, simple, you're saying. When everybody's, on one, when everybody's on one side of the boat, you want to be on the other side of the you boat. You want to be, but it's very hard to do that because you're really going against um, the social uh, animal part of our, of our natures. So does that Let mean me, you, want, you, you want to be a contrarian? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but yeah, it's more than that, though. It's, it's just knowing what works and what doesn't work and making sure that you're blotting out all the noise. Once you understand what you're doing, then you're able to determine what is noise and what is real information, and you're able to avoid all of the noise. When you watch TV and these shows are telling you what XYZ is doing in the last five minutes and you see something drop and maybe you own it, it's very scary to see uh, your money go down in value. As a matter of fact, human beings, it's been proven, um, feel the pain of loss twice as much as they feel the pleasure of gain. So losing money hurts more, and people will do things to avoid it, and it leads to mistakes. So, what is the, so are you supposed to be an active contrarian? For example, right now, the stock markets are doing extremely well for the most part. So you're saying this is a time to sell and be in cash? I mean, how do you be a contrarian in a, a circumstance like we're in today? It's very tough. So what you have to do is decide what is your investing strategy. And if you don't have one, then you need to find an advisor who has one and make sure that that advisor sticks with that investing strategy and make sure that they've got a track record that takes you through the different periods of time when the markets were down a lot and the markets were up a lot. I don't believe that you need to go to cash because markets are high. Markets are high and they can go much higher. The case is to know what it is you own, understand those businesses, and then invest based upon the wealth creation that those businesses can give to you. And if you can't do that, then get a very well-diversified portfolio of index funds that cover U.S. stocks, large and small, international stocks for developed countries, international stocks for developing countries, get some bonds in the portfolio, try to diversify away a lot of the risk. You'll own tens of thousands of stocks. Some of them will be undervalued, some will be overvalued, but over time, wealth should be created. So you're a believer in index funds as opposed to actively managed funds. Is that because of the, the track record in the long run that actively you managed know, funds tend not to beat the indexes? Yeah, it's a good question. The index is the average. So it's half, half of investors are doing better, half are doing uh, poor, more poorly. The average mutual fund has a lot going against it. Its fees are higher. It has to worry about cashing people out when they want to leave the fund, they have to have investments in there that accept money when people move money into the firm fund. So there's a lot of securities in there that would not necessarily be the top picks of the money managers. So its structure itself is basically uh, created so uh, most managers will underperform. 
In that case, if you can just buy the index, you're fine. However, in certain markets, having an active manager should regularly beat an index of that market. So it, I guess the answer is it, it really depends. Another area you wanted to talk about briefly was annuities. Uh, what are some of the right and wrong things that people should look for in annuities if they want retirement income? Well, there's three kinds of annuities, basically. There's a fixed annuity that pays you a fixed rate of return. The, the rate of return is tax-deferred, so that's pretty good. Those are yielding about 3% today, so you may be keeping pace with inflation. Not great. There are variable annuities where you have a, 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 a platform of uh, a menu, rather, of mutual funds, and those are usually horrendously expensive. So my advice is to look for a no-load annuity through some major fund house like Fidelity or Vanguard, and that would reduce your uh, fees quite a bit, and you'll earn a lot more. And then the third is an immediate annuity where you give them X number of dollars, and the insurance company guarantees to pay you so much per month for the rest of your life or for a period certain. I have trouble with those right now because interest rates are so low that the amount of monthly income you're going to get is going to be very, very low. So I think where you need to be is in growth assets, which means mutual funds of stocks and some bonds and things like that. And if you have to do it in an annuity or you really like them, seek out one that has a no load and very low internal cost. So just summing up, uh, about a minute or so we have left, what difference will it make in people's financial life if they take your advice, use the levers, as opposed to the way most people kind of bumble into retirement? Well, I think bumble is the correct word, and you don't want to bumble into retirement. You want to get things right in your life. And as you have in so many other aspects, if you're whatever profession you may have, there's a right way to do things. There's a wrong way to do things. Not all of the information is known, and you just have to fly by the seat of your pants sometimes. But mostly you have a sense of what to do because you've been doing it so long and you know what works and what doesn't. Investing is no different. So you need to team up with an advisor who understands what's going on or you need to become very well-educated yourself so you don't bumble through and ruin this retirement. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest has been Steve Pomerantz. Uh, his radio show is called On the Money, and you can find out more about him at onthemoneyradio.org. He's also a certified financial planner and has come up with a very good idea and ways to help you improve your retirement. So thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Steve. Thanks for having me, Jordan. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.